chapter four of twenty-five sermons on the holy land this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. twenty-five sermons on the holy land by thomas dewitt talmage chapter four paul's mission in athens i hath not seen nor ear heard first corinthians two nine for now we see through a glass darkly first corinthians thirteen twelve both these sentences were written by the most illustrious merely human being the world ever saw one who walked these streets and preached from yonder pile of rocks mars hill though more classic associations are connected with this city than with any city under the sun because here socrates and plato and aristotle and demosthenes and pericles and herodotus and pythagoras and xenophon and praxiteles wrote or chiselled or taught or thundered or sung yet in my mind all those men and their teachings were eclipsed by paul and the gospel he preached in this city and in your nearby city of corinth yesterday standing on the old fortress at corinth the acro corinthus out from the ruins at its base arose in my imagination the old city just as paul saw it i have been told that for splendor the world beholds no such wonder to-day as that ancient corinth standing on an isthmus washed by two seas the one sea bringing the commerce of europe the other sea bringing the commerce of asia from her wharves in the construction of which whole kingdoms had been absorbed war galleys with three banks of oars pushed out and confounded the navy yards of all the world huge-handed machinery such as modern invention cannot equal lifted ships from the sea on one side and transported them on trucks across the isthmus and sat them down in the sea on the other side the revenue officers of the city went down through the olive groves that lined the beach to collect a tariff from all nations the mirth of all people sported in her isthmian games and the beauty of all lands sat in her theatres walked her porticoes and threw itself on the altar of her stupendous dissipations column and statue and temple bewildered the beholder there were white marble fountains into which from apertures at the side there gushed waters everywhere known for health-giving qualities around these basins twisted into wreaths of stone there were all the beauties of sculpture and architecture while standing as if to guard the costly display was a statue of hercules of burnished corinthian brass vases of terracotta adorned the cemeteries of the dead vases so costly that julius caesar was not satisfied until he had captured them for rome armed officials the corinthari paced up and down to see that no statue was defaced 
no pedestal overthrown no bas-relief touched from the edge of the city the hill held its magnificent burden of columns and towers and temples one thousand slaves awaiting at one shrine and a citadel so thoroughly impregnable that gibraltar is a heap of sand compared with it amid all that strength and magnificence corinth stood and defied the world paul addressed high intelligence oh it was not to rustics who had never seen anything grand that paul uttered one of my texts they had heard the best music that had come from the best instruments in all the world had heard songs floating from morning porticoes and melting in evening groves they had passed their whole lives among pictures and sculpture and architecture and corinthian brass which had been moulded and shaped until there was no chariot wheel in which it had not sped and no tower in which it had not glittered and no gateway that it had not adorned ah it was a bold thing for paul to stand there amid all that and say all this is nothing these sounds that come from the temple of neptune are not music compared with the harmonies of which i speak these waters rushing in the basin of pyrene are not pure these statues of bacchus and mercury are not exquisite your citadel of acrocorinthus is not strong compared with that which i offer to the poorest slave that puts down his burden at that brazen gate you corinthians think this is a splendid city you think you have heard all sweet sounds and seen all beautiful sights but i tell you i hath not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which god hath prepared for them that love him indeed both my texts the one spoken by paul and the one written by paul show us that we have very imperfect eyesight and that our day of vision is yet to come for now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face so paul takes the responsibility of saying that even the bible is an indistinct mirror and that its mission shall be finally suspended i think there may be one bible in heaven fastened to the throne just as now in a museum we have a lamp exhumed from herculaneum or nineveh and we look at it with great interest and say how poor a light it must have given compared with our modern lamps so i think that this bible which was a lamp to our feet in this world may lie near the throne of god exciting our interest to all eternity by the contrast between its comparatively feeble light and the illumination of heaven the bible now is the scaffolding to the rising temple but when the building is done there will be no use for the scaffolding the idea i shall develop today is that in this world our knowledge is comparatively dim and unsatisfactory 
but nevertheless is introductory to grander and more complete vision this is eminently true in regard to our view of god canst thou find out god we hear so much about god that we conclude that we understand him he is represented as having the tenderness of a father the firmness of a judge the pomp of a king and the love of a mother we hear about him talk about him write about him we lisp his name in infancy and it trembles on the tongue of the dying octogenarian we think that we know very much about him take the attribute of mercy do we understand it the bible blossoms all over with that word mercy it speaks again and again of the tender mercies of god of the sure mercies of the great mercies of the mercy that endureth forever of the multitude of his mercies and yet i know that the views we have of this great being are most indefinite one-sided and incomplete when at death the gate shall fly open and we shall look directly upon him how new and surprising we see upon canvas a picture of the morning we study the cloud in the sky the dew upon the grass and the husbandman on the way to the field beautiful picture of the morning but we rise at daybreak and go up on a hill to see for ourselves that which was represented to us while we look the mountains are transfigured the burnished gates of heaven swing open and shut to let pass a host of fiery splendors the clouds are all abloom and hang pendant from arbors of alabaster and amethyst the waters make pathway of inlaid pearl for the light to walk upon and there is morning on the sea the crags uncover their scarred visage and there is morning among the mountains now you go home and how tame your picture of the morning seems in contrast greater than that shall be the contrast between this scriptural view of god and that which we shall have when standing face to face this is a picture of the morning that will be the morning itself again my texts are true of the saviour's excellency by image and sweet rhythm of expression and startling antithesis christ is set forth his love his compassion his work his life his death his resurrection we are challenged to measure it to compute it to weigh it in the hour of our broken enthrallment we mount up into high experience of his love and shout until the countenance glows and the blood bounds and the whole nature is exhilarated i have found him and yet it is through a glass darkly we see not half of that compassionate face we feel not half the warmth of that loving heart we wait for death to let us rush into his outspread arms then we shall be face to face 
not shadow then but substance not hope then but the fulfilling of all prefigurement that will be a magnificent unfolding to see eye to eye the rushing out in view of all hidden excellency the coming again of a long absent jesus to meet us not in rags and in penury and death but amidst a light and pomp and outbursting joy such as none but a glorified intelligence could experience oh to gaze full upon the brow that was lacerated upon the side that was pierced upon the feet that were nailed to stand close up in the presence of him who prayed for us on the mountain and thought of us by the sea and agonized for us in the garden and died for us in horrible crucifixion to feel of him to embrace him to take his hand to kiss his feet to run our fingers along the scars of ancient suffering to say this is my jesus he gave himself for me i shall never leave his presence i shall forever behold his glory i shall eternally hear his voice lord jesus now i see thee i behold where the blood started where the tears coursed where the face was distorted i have waited for this hour i shall never turn my back on thee no more looking through imperfect glasses no more studying thee in the darkness but as long as this throne stands and this everlasting river flows and those garlands bloom and these arches of victory remain to greet home heaven's conquerors so long i shall see thee jesus of my choice jesus of my song jesus of my triumph forever and forever face to face the idea of my text is just as true when applied to god's providence who has not come to some pass in life thoroughly inexplicable you say what does this mean what is god going to do with me now he tells me that all things work together for good this does not look like it you continue to study the dispensation and after a while guess about what god means he means to teach me this i think he means to teach me that perhaps it is to humble my pride perhaps it is to make me feel more dependent perhaps to teach me the uncertainty of life but after all it is only a guess a looking through the glass darkly the bible assures us there shall be a satisfactory unfolding what i do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter you will know why god took to himself that only child next door there was a household of seven children why not take one from that group instead of your only one why single out the dwelling in which there was only one heart beating responsive to yours why did god give you a child at all if he meant to take it away 
why fill the cup of your gladness brimming if he meant to dash it down why allow all the tendrils of your heart to wind around that object and then when every fibre of your own life seemed to be interlocked with the child's life with strong hand to tear you apart until you fall bleeding and crushed your dwelling desolate your hopes blasted your heart broken do you suppose that god will explain that yea he will make it plainer than any mathematical problem as plain as that two and two make four in the light of the throne you will see that it was right all right just and true are all thy ways thou king of saints providential hindrances in life here is a man who cannot get on in the world he always seems to buy at the wrong time and to sell at the worst disadvantage he tries this enterprise and fails that business and is disappointed the man next door to him has a lucrative trade but he lacks customers a new prospect opens his income is increased but that year his family are sick and the profits are expended in trying to cure the ailments he gets a discouraged look becomes faithless as to success begins to expect disasters others wait for something to turn up he waits for it to turn down others with only half as much education and character get on twice as well he sometimes guesses as to what it all means he says perhaps riches would spoil me perhaps poverty is necessary to keep me humble perhaps i might if things were otherwise be tempted into dissipations but there is no complete solution of the mystery he sees through a glass darkly and must wait for a higher unfolding will there be an explanation yes god will take that man in the light of the throne and say child immortal hear the explanation you remember the failing of that great enterprise this is the explanation and you will answer it is all right i see every day profound mysteries of providence there is no question we ask oftener than why there are hundreds of graves that need to be explained hospitals for the blind and lame asylums for the idiotic and insane almshouses for the destitute and a world of pain and misfortune that demand more than human solution ah god will clear it all up in the light that pours from the throne no dark mystery can live things now utterly inscrutable will be illumined as plainly as though the answer were written on the jasper wall or sounded in the temple anthem bartimaeus will thank god that he was blind and lazarus that he was covered with sores and joseph that he was cast into the pit 
and daniel that he was denned with the lions and paul that he was humpbacked and david that he was driven from jerusalem and the sewing-woman that she could get only a few pence for making a garment and that invalid that for twenty years he could not lift his head from the pillow and that widow that she had such hard work to earn bread for her children you know that in a song different voices carry different parts the sweet and overwhelming part of the hallelujah of heaven will not be carried by those who rode in high places and gave sumptuous entertainments but pauper children will sing it beggars will sing it redeemed hod-carriers will sing it those who were once the off-scouring of earth will sing it the hallelujah will be all the grander for earth's weeping eyes and aching heads and exhausted hands and scourged backs and martyred agonies how many shall be saved again the thought of my text is true when applied to the enjoyment of the righteous in heaven i think we have but little idea of the number of the righteous in heaven infidels say your heaven will be a very small place compared with the world of the lost for according to your teaching the majority of men will be destroyed i deny the charge i suppose that the multitude of the finally lost as compared with the multitude of the finally saved will be a handful i suppose that the few sick people in the hospitals of our great cities as compared with the hundreds of thousands of well people would not be smaller than the number of those who shall be cast out in suffering compared with those who shall have upon them the health of heaven for we are to remember that we are living in only the beginning of the christian dispensation and that this whole world is to be populated and redeemed and that ages of light and love are to flow on if this be so the multitudes of the saved will be in vast majority take all the congregations that have assembled for worship throughout christendom put them together and they would make but a small audience compared with the thousands and tens of thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand and the hundred and forty and four thousand that shall stand around the throne those flashed up to heaven in martyr fires those tossed for many years upon the invalid couch those fought in the armies of liberty and rose as they fell those tumbled from high scaffolding or slipped from the mast or were washed off into the sea they came up from corinth from laodicea from the red sea bank and gennesaret's wave from egyptian brickyards and gideon's threshing floor those thousands of years ago slept the last sleep and these are this moment having their eyes closed and their limbs stretched out for the sepulchre 
a general expecting an attack from the enemy stands on a hill and looks through a field-glass and sees in the great distance multitudes approaching but has no idea of their numbers he says i cannot tell anything about them i merely know that they are a great number and so john without attempting to count says a great multitude that no man can number we are told that heaven is a place of happiness but what do we know about happiness happiness in this world is only a half-fledged thing a flowery path with a serpent hissing across it a broken pitcher from which the water has dropped before we could drink it a thrill of exhilaration followed by disastrous reactions to help us understand the joy of heaven the bible takes us to a river we stand on the grassy bank we see the waters flow on with ceaseless wave but the filth of the cities is emptied into it and the banks are torn and unhealthy exhalations spring up from it and we fail to get an idea of the river of life in heaven a glorious and everlasting reunion we get very imperfect ideas of the reunions of heaven we think of some festal day on earth when father and mother were yet living and the children came home a good time that but it had this drawback all were not there that brother went off to sea and never was heard from that sister did we not lay her away in the freshness of her young life never more in this world to look upon her ah there was a skeleton at the feast and tears mingled with our laughter on that christmas day not so with heaven's reunions it will be an uninterrupted gladness many a christian parent will look around and find all his children there ah he says can it be possible that we are all here life's perils over the jordan past and not one wanting why even the prodigal is here i almost gave him up how long he despised my counsels but grace hath triumphed all here all here tell the mighty joy through the city let the bells ring and the angels mention it in their song wave it from the top of the walls all here no more breaking of heartstrings but face to face the orphans that were left poor and in a merciless world kicked and cuffed of many hardships shall join their parents over whose graves they so long wept and gaze into their glorified countenances forever face to face we may come up from different parts of the world one from the land and another from the depths of the sea from lives affluent and prosperous or from scenes of ragged distress but we shall all meet in rapture and jubilee face to face 
many of our friends have entered upon that joy a few days ago they sat with us studying these gospel themes but they only saw dimly now revelation hath come your time will also come god will not leave you floundering in the darkness you stand wonderstruck and amazed you feel as if all the loveliness of life were dashed out you stand gazing into the open chasm of the grave wait a little in the presence of your departed and of him who carries them in his bosom you shall soon stand face to face oh that our last hour may kindle up with this promised joy may we be able to say like the christian not long ago departing though a pilgrim walking through the valley the mountain tops are gleaming from peak to peak or like my dear friend and brother alfred cookman who took his flight to the throne of god saying in his last moment that which has already gone into christian classics i am sweeping through the pearly gate washed in the blood of the lamb End of chapter 4